0: Hello, it's uh, Handled Hay with Corey Vaughn and Adam Smaha. And today we are talking about Best Friends. It's a season two episode directed by Steve Saki and written by Jonathan Greenberg. Um, this is a fully realized episode with Rhonda and Nadine, and we have a good conversation about it. Fantastic conversation. We cover so much ground. Wow. Uh, you sound—you really sound like you mean it. Uh, I do. I really mean yeah. it. Yeah. Um, trigger warning, we talk about friendship. Whoa, and feminism. And uh, also
1: like inner conflict and self-realization and and finally um, Corey admits he's a white male
0: fine I know it After, just so you guys know, it only took 40 episodes to remember yep. um stop what you're doing before you go on with this episode and please rate and review us um iTunes just do it on iTunes it's great it's easy um give us some stars give us a comment email us at hey at gmail.com that was very Trumpian I liked that it's uh, great it's
1: easy just go to iTunes.com <laughs> Forget about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's what the podcasting world needs, is more. More conversations (laughs) with Trump.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys knew, but he's president right now. Uh, Just to date uh, when this episode is being recorded, he's the president of the United States. He's one of the most powerful men in the world. He might be your president. He's not my president. Uh, Thank you for joining us on Harold Hayes' opinion about Trump. Um, Anyway, uh, yeah, we had a good conversation today, so um, please enjoy – Enjoy her an old Day and everything else too. Bye bye. best friends arnold finds himself stuck between uh two best friends uh Rhonda and nadine um he is partnered with them in a uh school project uh that mr simmons calls uniquely you um and i guess it's like an open-ended project like it could be about anything which is just you, know you what? being you you being you i kind of like that it's very montessori
1: yeah, you being you amongst others and with others, in collaboration with others. Yeah,
0: you being you, but also together. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, uh, you know, it seems uh, Arnold thinks he's going to have an easy time because they're best friends, and so he can kind of uh, ride their coattails. Uh, but over lunch, um, Nadine and uh, Rhonda realize that they are not on the same page with what this project's going to be. Uh, Rhonda wants to do a 60s um, fashion uh, project uh, and Nadine wants to do uh, some sort of bug science project um, and neither of them like the other idea and so um, you know uh, Ron is being her usual bossy self and you see that N- uh, Nadine is kind of coming into her own and calls her out and so they uh, end their friendship abruptly and then say to each other Arnold's on my side and basically you know go up to arnold separately and say all right we're meeting together uh see you after school and arnold um you know quickly sees that this is gonna be a problem uh and gerald is like dude stay out of it do not do not try to do anything and arnold's like well it's gonna blow over they're best friends it'll be fine but as he meets with these two girls he realizes they can only talk about how mad they are at the other there's no um Uh, they're hardly even paying attention to what their, you know, what their project is. Um, but they each kind of present their view. So they don't, it's like they, they're talking about the other person through being interested in what they're interested in. So Rhonda makes these sweeping claims about fashion, that fashion is what separates man from animal and that Nadine would never understand. And Nadine says that, um, Bugs are basically our landlords because they've been around for so long, but Rhonda would never understand that. And so even in their most like deepest passions, they're still thinking about their best friend. And so next, the next day, Arnold gets w- walloped with a, with a, uh, um, like a dodgeball and, uh, says, I was up all night talking to them on the phone because they kept, they kept calling him, you know, Arnold, for some reason, nine-year-old Arnold has an unbelievable amount of homework. And so he's working late into the night. And as he's falling asleep, uh, Rhonda and Nadine are still calling him. Uh, And so the next day, he's kind of out of it. Um, And uh, eventually, him and Gerald decide to do some detective work. And they confront Stinky and Harold, who are eating lunch with them. And they start figuring it out. But the person who really nails it is uh, Phoebe, who um, kind of schools them in Jungian psychology um, about uh, kind of what it means to... um, uh, like cancel each other out. Like uh, we'll listen to it later because it's a it's a really powerful statement. But uh, basically, they realized that neither neither person was being heard, um, which made their feelings hurt. And so Arnold doesn't really do anything other than bring them together and say, "You guys have to make up." And they do. And the way they really make up is by combining their passions into one fashion show. And so Arnold goes from. Uh, fixer hero uh what gerald calls Papa Teresa uh into uh fashion model and he's he's a bug he walks in as a as a beetle and um yeah the kids are laughing at him and then gerald is a caterpillar and they do a fashion show dressed up as bugs and uh all is well in ps118 between these two best friends and that's that's the episode and it's i mean i like i liked it I think it's funny. Um, it shows, it, it actually shows, um, Arnold at his most interesting, which is kind of torn. Like, I don't want to be the fixer, but I have to be. Um, it definitely shows Rhonda at her best. Um, Rhonda is one of my favorite characters because she is unbelievably narcissistic and, um, like vain. And that comes out here. Um, and you know, it has some funny bits with Eugene and with Harold, uh, and with Phoebe. So it's, it's a, it's a fully realized episode. I think.
1: Yeah. There, the, these episodes are interesting because I think in varying various moments, you have the main story being about Rhonda and Nadine, but then as the other, their fellow classmates sort of enter the picture, it's like the best quality of each of them Mm -hmm, gets shown mm -hmm. in that moment. Um, so which I think is is very interesting um also i don 't know yeah, I think this, I, I I share your opinion that this is a just solid, very solid episode, yeah, yeah, fairly funny, um and I like sort of the kind of you get to explore these two characters, which I think we were talking about this before. That you don't really hear much, much of in the show,
0: especially Nadine. You you don't hear much of anything from her,
1: definitely. And I think this is just a personal thing. I really like the random shots where they're in their room because I feel like you get to see like yeah. a little bit into the character and like where they live and kind uh-huh. of their socioeconomic status, what they're into. It's always like
0: represent mm. like
1: who they are as a person and their interests are always extremely overrepresented in their rooms with
0: all the kids, with with not all just these the two. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you yeah, get yeah. Pho- so far, we've gotten it from Phoebe, Gerald, Arnold. Harold, uh, maybe Sid, but yeah. it's going to keep happening. We're going to totally. see more and more kids rooms, which is you're, yeah, you're right. It's like a little, um, it's like a material representation oh, of each character. It, it, uh, what are those things that you build out of shoeboxes? It's like a diorama of, of their life. A yeah, bit. totally. Yeah. I don't know. It's a good episode. Yeah. Um, a couple other like bits that don't really have anything to do with, uh, with the episode. Um, uh, and then we can dive into kind of the meat. Um, I, you know, this is, you only get him for a minute. But not even. But Mr. Simmons shines. This is a great. Like th- we kind of joked about at the beginning of um, the summary, but having a project called <laughs> Uniquely You is like I understand why uh, some uh, you know older generations say, "Man, these new teachers are just hippy dippy." I think Uniquely You is a wonderful project, but I understand that that the vagueness in that title is so funny well, and. I- it's not – there's no, nothing concrete to it.
1: No, but what I think actually is sort of genius in it as like a weird like hippy-dippy mm. uh, granola teaching method <laughs> is that you have multiple people coming together being un- uniquely you and the sort of problems that are inherent in that. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. sort of working those problems out is – Actually, like, a super good learning experience. Oh, absolutely, yeah. At the surface, it's, like, very laughable, because it's a ridiculous idea. Yeah. But at the same time, like, actually working it out, how do you get three people to be, quote-unquote, uniquely themselves, yeah, yeah. is impossible.
0: That's so good. Yeah. And it also allows him to say, Ooh, that was uniquely you, to Sid, Stinky, and Harold, when they have the dumbest project, which Everybody is eating chocolate. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, like, well, technically, you did this right. Uh, yeah. So – Yeah, it's definitely an open-ended, like, dumb project that, like you said, has some deeper value to it.
1: Though I think it's probably great is the classmates that are... On the more foolish end of the spectrum probably hasn 't had an easier time with the project, oh totally and yeah. the more sort of in tune and sort of uh, intellectually savvy, probably had a much harder time because they are more firm in who they are
0: and want themselves to be shown, which is exactly what happens in this totally and, and they, you know uh, Gerald mentions man being uniquely you with Helga, that was a nightmare, <laughs> which makes sense because Gerald and Helga are two of the most self um, similar to Rhonda, they think they 're self. Actualized, yeah. but in reality they're not totally. Um, which, which all these kids are, but like, the, like Rhonda, they have more of a intense personality. Yeah, and so I'm sure Gerald and Helga trying to work together without Arnold there to mediate probably was a terrible experience. Totally. Yeah, which he which he reveals. I would love to see that episode. Uh, I mean, yeah, same, yeah. Like, I would love to see every trio. I'd love to see just like, watch Helga to crowd him out on, on like during yeah. the
1: presentation. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, I don't. Okay, so two other like little comedic bits that I liked. Um, one was uh, when they were doing. Uh, Arnold and Gerald are kind of trying to figure out why they stopped being friends, um, why uh, why Nadine, Nadine and Rhonda yeah. stopped being friends, and so when they ask Harold you know, you think he's going to answer dumb, but he like answers really astutely just specifically about food. <laughs> like he doesn't, <laughs> it's like, wow, you remembered every detail about that. And he like, he answers in a serious way. Like he kind of froze his brow and tilts his head and goes, Hmm, well, Ronda was eating a blah, blah, blah. And maybe he was eating and, and they had to like correct him. Um, the other funny part that I think is actually really good. Um, visual comedic writing, uh, there, with a little bit of like sound to like focus your brain um, after Arnold's up all night and he, I mentioned he got beaned by a by a dodgeball um they're they're like throwing a dodgeball around and um, Gerald like holds it up like he's gonna throw it and it cuts to Eugene kind of dancing like he's either gonna catch it or he's gonna like dodge it and there's these little this little noise Bink! And it's, like, him, like, dancing. And so, because we're trained to see Eugene get, like, pummeled, I, I mean, I forgot that Arnold got pummeled. I thought it was just going to be an easy, like, an easy slapstick comedy. But then, when Jill throws the ball, it misses Eugene and hits Arnold because he's not paying attention. And that's, like, Arnold's off his game. Arnold's off his game. It's a really nice, um, they, like, flip your expectations. In, in, and it's, like, five seconds. And it's uh, it's just, ah, it's good dumb animation that doesn't matter at all, but it's like very, it's a very pleasurable moment. Well, and it plays into the episode a lot. It does. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah it's still connected to the episode, but it, it doesn't like they didn't, it, they didn't technically need to have it there. Totally. Um, but uh, I, you know, well,
1: and little kids, which are probably watching, well, watch the show. Um, like to Wait, see what? This isn't hit. a show for adults to hide? Yeah, well, I, I, it is. It but. is yeah. <laughs> but it loves
0: the idea of seeing somebody get hit. With things. Oh, yeah. It, well, yeah, it, it, it's pleasurable also because you just get to s- hope that Eugene gets hit yeah. and then see Arnold get hit. And it's also enjoyable because of the smartness behind that writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then eventually Eugene does get beaten by a dodgeball, and you get that um, pleasure get as well. It, um, it just it happened a little bit later. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so let's j- dive into the meat of it, and I think we can start with, uh, like – one of the best thesis statements of any episode uh when phoebe butts into arnold and gerald's detective work and just she lays out she lays it out what's going on and she she describes it in a really um elevated way like the way actually not that we're elevated but like <laughs> the way to you know like it's like she's watching it with us and she's like ah this is what's happening yeah. um which is uh Funny because I there's no way when I was nine I knew what Jungian psychology was, but watching it now it's like that is so funny like mm-hmm. and they do this sometime in this sometimes in this show like just like splay out what the issue is and I I don't know it, it it's longer than you expect. Um, I mean, this is the thesis. Uh, yeah, it, it, it very it, it succinctly summarizes the episode. Yeah, and there are a few other moments in the show that are in the episode that are good too. But this like brings in all of the ideas that you've seen with Rhonda and with Nadine, brings it together. Um, yeah. So let's let's listen to let's it. Let's run the clip.
1: I think the basic conflict in Nadine and Rhonda's relationship stems from their mutual inability to compromise and a lack of respect for each other's selfhood. Really. Tell me about it, Phoebe. Well, Yugi and therapy differs from the classic Freudian approach. No, I mean tell me about the fight. Oh, right. Well, both Rhonda and Nadine wanted to do projects that emphasize their personal strengths. But this time, Nadine was overtly hostile to Rhonda's normally dominant behavior. Thus, each girl felt her core interests were being trivialized.
0: So what you're saying is they both wanted to do their favorite project, and neither one would back down. So both of them got their feelings hurt. Exactly. Boy. This psychology stuff sure is tricky. So we have a conversation on selfhood, compromise, uh, standing up for oneself. Uh, There are a lot of um, directions we could take this. Um, And I think others that even Phoebe didn't mention, but we could talk about that later. Um, I think, I mean, it's very astute and it feels right. Um, And it's, it... It's peeling away, like, a very simple thing that we all go through, which is, um, like, like, watching this episode, you know the times when you and your close friend had a fight, and it's like, why am I so mad? And it, it's kind of a bland statement of what's going on, which is, oh, uh, she just didn't respect your selfhood. Um, but, but that actually is what's happening. Um, It's not some big dramatic thing. Like, well, I was trying – like, Nadine was trying to assert her uniqueness in in the project Uniquely You, and Rhonda's response was no, 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 me, only me.
1: Well, yeah, and that perspective didn't allow them to see the overlap, which is ultimately what came out. Like, if you listen to what they're both saying and what they both liked about – what one of them liked about Bugs and what one of them liked about – 60s fashion was they liked it was a different it was about beauty fundamentally right and different conceptions of beauty one being found in something that um what is her name uh nadine or ronda Rhonda though that Rhonda finds to be uniquely human which is like creating some sort mm, of beauty mm-hmm. where Rhonda thinks is like innate in nature or sorry nadine thinks is like just a the the beauty that's innate and in, within nature and then ultimately at the very end of the episode they realize this yeah. more or less and they synthesize something disgusting like the bug walking down the catwalk. But um, I think in the moment early on, it's like instead of immediately coming together thinking like this is a communal exercise, they are very wrapped up in the surface level element of it, mm-hmm. which was being uniquely you. And so mm. uh, they, they fell into like the most obvious pitfall of that, which is being self-serving and
0: selfish yeah which isn't but it's not totally selfish, like wanting to stand up for self and like allow your voice to be heard is is like a the human condition though
1: it's I think though it is self the way they did it was selfish got it the way to do that that isn't
0: selfish is finding a common thread, which is compromise compromise yeah so what's interesting about this episode is so usually what we do is we'll we'll play a thesis kind of a a loose thesis scene. And then kind of pare it down to a more specific conversation, and I feel like Phoebe already did the work for us. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, she "What, did what did more can we say?" Yeah. Um,
1: I don't know anything about Jungian psychology, nor fry, fried. Freud, Freud, Freud.
0: <laughs> I mean, I know a little about Freud, but not in this context. Like, I mean, Freud is all about. Freud is more. Oh, do, you want, do you want to try to butcher Freud? <laughs> yeah, <anything else. laughs> Like, no, I've, no, like, I've, d- we I've done a psychology yeah. class for like five. No, years no, no. Ago. no I, like, I definitely read up on some Freud for like, like twenty episodes ago, but I haven't read it since then. So I'm like Freud. very. Re- yes, I'm Freud. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's <laughs> man, Phoebe, you did all of our work for I us. Know, she that's should great. be. She yeah. should
1: be paid for this podcast. We should have, we should have emailed um, her before we did this.
0: Well, okay, so. Um, What I'll say is, uh, we we mentioned also. I guess my my curiosity is where's Arnold's selfhood in this? Because you know Nadine and Phoebe, it comes to a head where like uh, not Phoebe, Rhonda, Nadine and Rhonda. Oh my gosh, all these names. Uh, just kidding. Um, you know they come to a head because Rhonda's like dominant nature um, won't accept another alpha in the room. And then you have Arnold, who is definitely not an alpha. He's like a a soft, uh, a a soft, lovable helper. Um, He never really gets to name his, I mean, I guess like him being the middleman is his uniquely you a little bit. Yeah. That was him being himself. That's
1: why I'm, and I know that we've talked about this a lot before the show being mostly centered around Helga. Um, and not, or other characters and not just Arnold, but you realize that Arnold is like a fairly boring character Yeah, because he doesn't go, well, there's this third option. I really like this one thing, blah, blah, blah. It's like, he's just so wrapped up in helping them. Yeah. And even he never says what he wants to do. No, never, ever. Yeah. He's boring. And on top of that, his best friend calls out like, oh, you, you get to be the fixer, blah, 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 blah. Like, don't be that. Papa Teresa. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like even... His, his best friend recognizes that in him. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think, and I think Phoebe says this in that, in in either that scene or another scene, uh, where she talks about, I think that in the dynamic between Rhonda and, um, Nadine, Nadine, um, I guess typically day to day, episode by episode, Rhonda is the dominant one. Yeah. And so in this moment, in this project, which is kind of an interesting way to look at it from like a teaching perspective, it allows the person that's not as dominant to be to assert themselves, yes. and it's going to create conflict. But it's like there's an empowering element even in the assignment mm. for those um, that are don't take a dominant role to sort of assert themselves, yeah, yeah. which is going to create
0: conflict. But I think it's like a good, worthy thing. It's a worthy conflict, and um, it's it, you know, at uh, least she my, has an interest other than Arnold. That's what I'm saying. That's why totally, totally, yeah. Um, I had a. Th- therapist this was maybe five years ago she said that you know the life that you live before you before you name your voice I guess like like you're like your uh, the family dynamic while you're growing up when you're still creating yourself like you're not yet who you are you, you fit in a family unit and you're a like the, she called it a, like a mobile like above a baby's bed how it's like uh, perfectly balanced yeah and when something changes the weight on one of those pieces, it throws the whole thing off. And so it's go- like any time you go through a change, like a religious experience, a, psych- a philosophical experience, a, psych- a, a psychology experience, something where you realize, oh, I was this, now I'm this. And so I'm going to like, like lean that direction. And, may- and maybe not even that black and white, but just as you go through change, the other people around you aren't going through the same changes. They're not – their weight isn't shifting. Mm-hmm. And so – Rhonda's like, oh, of course I'm gonna be in charge here. But Nadine, yeah. she's changing her weight in this in this totally. in this um relationship. And so it makes complete sense that conflict would happen because it's not like Rhonda is counterbalancing Nadine's um newfound voice, if that makes sense. Totally.
1: Yeah. Rhonda's more interested in thought that the status quo would exist, which is she immediately says, This is what we're
0: doing. Yeah. And yep. then uh, Nadine says, I don't like that. Totally. Me, I don't like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and it makes sense because Arnold's not changing either. And so he also gets thrown, in, like, he's on this mobile of, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, because they all are part of this, like, you know, education experience. And anytime one person, and they've been, you know, going to school together for four or five years, anytime one person changes, it's going to send a ripple throughout the whole school, which it, it did. Like, these are two best friends who broke up. And I feel like that's, like, a normal elementary school experience where, Oh, do you hear these two people aren't friends anymore? Everyone knows about it. It's not a um, it's not a private, intimate thing. It 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 affects everybody. Yeah, it's very public, yes, yes. And this to me reminds me of just
1: like relationships, like romantic type relationships as well. Like the idea of you enter them as like individuals and and different sort of different people bring different things to the table. So you do have a lot of relationships where someone is very dominant, male or female. Probably oftentimes male like explicitly, but I don't know if that's always true. Um, But then as time goes on, like in order with the best relationships, you realize they synthesize something that is unique and it, and it encompasses all of the wonderful qualities of both of them, or hopefully not all the bad qualities Mm -hmm. of both of them, which can happen as well. But I think there is a lot of times like a rub in that. And especially if a power dynamic within the relationship does change. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because
1: it's like, what do you mean I entered this relationship thinking this like either like as say like you are going to take care of me and now you want me to assert myself right right right. or like you are somebody who kind of is lost and then finds themselves and the other person's like wait what's going on here you mean i used to be able to run the show yeah 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 um and i've seen both those things happen in people's relationships and stuff and it is yeah it's really crazy it's really traumatic because it's kind of like and this sounds really probably crazy to say but like Imagine if you went to a car dealership and somebody sold you a car, and then, like, midway through (laughs) you driving the car, like, it turns into a convertible. You know, like, Mm, wait, mm. I bought a van and so I could have my kids in it, and now it's a convertible. That might be a good, like, analogy to, like... Somebody like having a midlife crisis and wanting to have like a wild point in their life. Oh, interesting! <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, going yeah. From a mini-man, like I thought you wanted kids. Like I don't want kids anymore. These kids fucking suck. Yeah, I want to go. you know, I want to go dancing. I want to have
0: fun. Yeah, which that that stuff happens and it's insane. No, never, nah, no, no, never, never happens. happens. Uh, can I throw a wrench in this conversation and take it a different no. different way? No, cool, thanks. Um, so I've been thinking about how. I, so if we want to talk binaries and. Uh, how that plays into this episode, so you have um two like and, and you kind of touched on it even in in, the, in your last comments um, a relationship while individual you know that 's two individual people that 's also a single unit totally um, and I think it 's interesting especially i think especially because it 's two women which um, conflict is an interesting conversation. Um, when it comes to like the way contemporary women have to like navigate, um, finding their voice. Um, and I'm speaking as a, just to remind you, I'm a white male, uh, a white white (laughs) Christian male. So, uh, I'm, I'm speaking from very limited understanding, but from what I understand, um, conflict between women is a thing. Uh, I know. Adam's Blood and me and he's like, his eyes got very tight cause he was confused, but yes, uh, conflict happens. Um, and I like that they're coming from two different types of person. Um, one being like, uh, vain and self-serving and, um, fashion, not that fashion and vanity go hand in hand all the time, but the they stereotype do. is it, they do. They 100% do. That's true. Cause it's like, look it's hyper individualism. Yes. Yeah. Which, yeah. Sorry. Um, so you have like a more st- – like a media-presented stereotypical woman, which I, I do – this is not reality. It's just that stereotypically media presents women as, oh, like she's just interested in fashion and looking pretty. And that's Rhonda. Rhonda fits that 100%. And then you have this other um uh side, which uh, – like a STEM tomboy vibe. Yeah, exactly. That she she's like very confident in like the career she wants to have, and um, and I think this kind. I'm kind of starting it with the fact that it's two women in conversation, but I, I think it I think it expands to the human condition in general. Um, if if they represent a unit as woman, you have Rhonda saying, "No, beauty is interesting to me. Um, fashion." Vanity, whatever, what, whatever, positive or negative spin you want to put on Rhonda, she has her perspective of what it means to be uniquely her. And Nadine, kind of, by by saying no, I'm interested in like things that are gross. I'm interested in in science, and I'm interested in the beauty of the world. I'm interested in um like and even just her like saying I have a voice and this is it. Um, it puts them at odds with each other, and. Sep- they basically, like, separate, um, and I wonder how much of that is not only a conversation in, um, like, with the, you know contemporary uh, female condition, um, but just human condition in general, that there's a side of you that you think is not congruent with the other. And the beautiful thing about this episode is that those two sides do come together um, and, and, and actually make each other stronger and more interesting and um, more lovely But I think it does make sense that like violent, violent separation of these two sides. Well, I remember like
1: in undergraduate, getting like in in, getting a bachelor's degree in college, there being like a very big, distinct fissure between like STEM and then like social sciences and liberal arts and those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And like there being both serious qualms with one another, but also kind of like offhanded remarks, like STEM folk thinking like... STEM being science, technology, yeah, electronics, math, et cetera. Totally. Yeah. So, those people thinking like that, the other is not serious, it's not rigorous. Right. And that you're throwing your life away, like there's no job opportunities, there's no money to be made and all these sorts of things. And then you have the other, like you have liberal arts folks kind of looking at the STEM people and thinking that they're very like... Rigid and boring. Rigid and, and, sorry, like seemingly autistic, you know, right, in a right. sense where they're like hyper rational right. and they don't understand the complexity and like nuance of art and culture and those sorts of things. And that, and the rigor that, that is inherent and necessary in the social sciences. Um, and I feel like this sort of, this, yeah. this duality that you have here or this binary is like kind of. It's very, very unnecessary, and in a weird way, it's like ahistorical. Yeah. Like I think if you look back in time, like most quote unquote intellectual types like understood mathematics, understood science, right. understood philosophy. Like you had the to arts, be yeah. the arts. You had to be the invested. Renaissance in all of them. man. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and and that was like. Or woman. Or well, at the time, sadly, yeah, yeah it was relegated to men, but like you, you had to be well versed in all of them to be taken seriously, mm-hmm. and there was like an understanding and I feel like as time went on, specialization occurred and I think if you think about how the economy works, like specialization like really aids in sort of our modern economy, but I think now you're having this thing again where you 're having people kind of look at all of it and go, yeah, yeah, no, like intersectionality is important, and in right now, I feel like you're having at the beginning like a lot of intersectionality in the liberal arts, so you 'll have like Mixing between sociology and political science and right, economics right. and those sorts of things, and then I think eventually we'll end up mixing a lot of STEM elements into the liberal arts. Well, as and well. it's already
0: happening. It's a process, yeah. yeah. And I think we talked about it a couple episodes ago, but it's already happening. How um, uh, other countries, especially, are seeing that the the uh, the clever way of saying it is it's no longer STEM, which each letter represents like kind of a sciency term. Yeah. It's now STEAM. You throw the A in, it's the arts. Um, because someone has to design the computer, someone has to totally. design um the app, someone has to um, market the product. Um, all that stuff is tied more to more towards like you said a liberal arts artist, well, you, et cetera. If,
1: imagine Silicon Valley without the like, um, psychological component of it. Like every right, app that right. is designed is designed to be like addicting and used as much as possible. And that's like, wow.
0: Well, you made uh, this hyper very logical, very depressing. Go on. Uh, <laughs> well, it's true. <laughs> no, it's, it is, very, it it it's
1: very true. So even if, if it was all weighted on one side, you would have, yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Uh, they And I feel like psychology, they might, uh, yeah, I guess that's more on the liberal arts side. Oh, you're that's, thinking it's like uh, a red gray area. Yeah. Cause I mean like medicine is for sure. Um, uh, in st- more of a STEM product, like
1: that's I, when I'm thinking of the people that go into st- study psychology in college are way more similar to liberal arts types. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's true. They're like, wait,
0: I have to do stats? Yeah. What? <laughs> I thought I could just like, like listen this. to a person talk. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're not talking about our feelings
1: and like deconstructing. That's yeah, but, true. Yeah.
0: yeah. No, no. You're. I, I. 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 feel what you're saying. It's. It's. Um. It's that might be a mischaracterization. It's STEM, but... stem in sheep's clothing is what. Yeah. It is. Yeah. STEM in totally. arts in like in like. Liberal arts clothing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but I, like, so I think the microcosm is, like, what is a a woman's story in self-actualization and in career creation. Um, But I think the larger conversation is, like, um, both, which is interesting because one is more of a STEM conversation and the other is more of, like, a heart conversation. So one is, like, um, how, like, uh, one's a conversation of intersectionality. Yeah. Um, which is how can we bring two um, career things together? Um, how can we bring like things that are seemingly different together and the softer way of, and that's very like, that's actually a very like technical cold way of thinking about it. These things are all different. How do we bring it together? Yeah. The hard way is like, I'm rejecting a part of myself. How do I, how do I bring the sides of myself together and understand that it's, it's all one thing. Um, yeah. And I think both are very accurate Reads of this conflict. Um, They're interesting reads and I think accurate of the conflict that Nadine and Rod are going through. Um,
1: Well, and I think the idea of compromise in this situation is very interesting because you have the idea of like compromising showing weakness and and compromising being a negative thing. And instead of thinking of it as a positive thing, like a collaborative collaborative element. Yeah, and that it allowed you actually to create something that did not exist before. Yeah. Like watching children dressed up as bugs going down a catwalk
0: probably didn't exist before. It's, it's amazing. It really was an amazing compromise that is stupid, but amazing at the same time. Yeah. Um, And another thing I was thinking about um, back to this is, you know, right now we're in a pretty exciting time for um, children's cartoons and toys in that they're more actively and specifically trying to invite um, young women into uh, basically like the engineering life. Uh, So you have like the commercials of like, of like um, toys made for that are marketed towards girls that are building like more like connects and Legos and uh, more like intricate toys as well. um, Because there's this, there's this disparity in, uh, you know, you walk down Toys R Us, uh, Toys R Us aisle, the things that are pink and purple and, you know, um, more pastels tend to be like dolls and cooking and purses mm-hmm. and um, the things that are blue and red and black and brown. Those tend to be more um, like tools, doctor stuff like uh, and that we're seeing that that's an actual problem. Because even still in our fairly progressive society, um, in STEM, men, far, far, far outnumber women. And so we're now trying to say, how can we, you know, creating really strong feminine, uh, uh female cartoon characters that have, um, uh, like a voice within a more engineering kind of context. So, but with, which is interesting because there were definitely cartoon, I remember like a uh, rescue Rangers, um, you had a Gadget who was this, like, like literally – her name was Gadget, and she was a mouse that fixed cars. She was, she was a car mechanic. And so I remember that. But I also know that it, that wasn't – it wasn't because we're low on women within STEM. Yeah, yeah. And I think Nadine is that same issue. Like, like there weren't a bunch of Nadines um, and Phoebes. Like, Nadine and Phoebe kind of stand out in that show as, like um, – Harold hey is an outlier, actually, because you have really strong, independent female characters amongst a bunch of guys who are kind of doofuses. You have Helga, um, Phoebe, Rhonda, all of whom have a strong voice. They know who they are. They're still going through stuff, but I think I think Arnold is, hey Arnold is an outlier in creating um, like the men and women characters in the show are feel very even. There's not like a well,
1: and it feels more true to reality. Like I think there's yeah. that sort of Perception. I think oftentimes in male a uh, strain of male feminists, where they think like just because there's women involved, that it'll be a like hyper collaborative environment, and that like it, there's mm-hmm. less uh, like um, sort of narcissism and like individualism that that stems out of um, like a toxic femininity. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And I think that this show is kind of interesting because it shows that like there's opportunism there. Like, mm-hmm. there's a moment for one to express oneself fully. Right, right, And whether it is man or female, male or female, they're going to, like, take that opportunity potentially. Right, right. So you have two women that are, like, being very, very assertive in addressing themselves in a, a selfish way that is, like, destroying their relationship. Right. And so then you have Arnold, which I think is kind of interesting. He takes a more passive role, and he takes the more, like... Uh, soft role. Soft role, and the more, like, he wants to... Um,
0: Reunite, reunite these um, two.
1: Yeah, so you're kind of flipping Reconcile. Yeah, you're trying to kind of flipping these tropes of like femininity and masculinity yes, yes. around, jumbling them around. And I think this show does that a lot. And part of it, someone could easily say, is because when you're that young, like women are more uh, intellectually developed, physically developed than men, their male yes. counterparts at the time. So that it allows them to sort of go through these more nuanced, you know, emotional things. Yeah. Um, but I think that the show does a good job of like. Kind of taking what these common tropes are and then kind of jumbling them all around mm, mm. in an interesting way. No, it,
0: it totally. Yeah. And it – like I don't think they come to any kind of answer or like right or wrong. And so like when I enter into thinking about like the femininity of Rhonda and Nadine, it's not because I think um, I know what the right answer is or that they do. But when you have – uh, two women talking about fashion and science totally. in conflict, you like, I don't, I think it's impossible not to think about, okay, what are they trying to say about, um, female? What are they trying to say about male? What are they trying to say about, um, like the ways that we separate ourselves, which is really, I mean, that's an abject kind of feminist thing of, um, like, like saying, okay, like this is how I am in this situation. This is how I'm in this situation. Totally. Um, yeah, look, this, uh, we didn't have a guest on this episode, and I'm thinking, wow. I wonder what what the women have to say about this. So please email us. And like, <laughs> I, I hope I didn't dig myself into a hole. I, I tried to no, be you as, did nothing okay, wrong. Good, 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 good. Yeah. As another fe- uh, fellow white male, you did nothing wrong. Yeah. Well, you're not a. Uh, never mind. <laughs> um, please email us, ladies, if you have thoughts about um, this uh, dichotomy in uh, yeah the female story, the contemporary female story. Please. Uh, what um anything else? I mean, I think I have my cry of the week will probably, um, open up some more conversation, but do you have any other thoughts about? I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. I like this episode. Yeah, it was good. I really like it. Um, I, I do. uh, Unfortunately, Nadine really isn't, she's such a tertiary character. You see her in the background a lot, but she doesn't, unfortunately she doesn't have a ton more interactions with the main characters. Hopefully the movie will change that. Um, Anyway, but I love I love Rhonda. I think she's a really strong character. She has a couple more really good. Um, there are a couple more, probably probably four or five more Rhonda centric episodes uh, that show more of her narcissism, more of her quirks. Uh, so she doesn't. She definitely doesn't grow. I mean she she learns how to listen to Nadine. That's kind of her. Um, she here. she
1: definitely has my favorite quote about like when she explains how the beauty of fashion is like inherently a human experience. Yeah. And it's the, what
0: separates humans from insects. Yeah.
1: And that's a beautiful, and it's like, it seems true, but it also seems self-serving. Yes. And it's just like the perfect comment to make. Mm-hmm. I think. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It really, yeah. um,
0: but yeah, that, that's yeah. a fantastic line. She's, she's a great, um, great character. Uh, okay. So cry of the week, I have mine. I'll just go ahead and say it. And then I'm going to hear yours. Okay. 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 Um, When Arnold forces Rhonda and Nadine to reunite, um, it's like they're stubborn, stubborn, stubborn. No arguing. Like I will if she will. I will if she will. There's this like, like visceral annoyance and anger. And um, you know, I think the voice acting up to that point is like good and passable. And like, like yeah, I I hear their annoyance and I hear their anger. um, But you don't. it, It doesn't take you out of that moment. I'm only thinking about it because of what happens next, which is. Um, Rhonda goes like, like, well, I'll count with her if she starts. And then Arnold kind of looks at her and she's like, okay, we'll both count at the same time. And that moment, it breaks the voice acting in such a way that it gives me goosebumps still. It's this breathy, um, uh, this breathy count. Uh, gosh, I feel like we should play it. It's so good. Yeah. Can we play it? it? it. Yeah. Okay. And tell each other you're sorry.
1: I will if Rhonda will. I will if Nadine goes first. No, you first. How about if we say I'm sorry together? Okay, by me. I'll count. No, I'll count. I mean, we'll both count, Nadine. One, One two, two, three. I'm sorry. Okay, that's
0: great, Andy. Now listen, I know what we both can do. See, your bug idea is okay, but like my fashion is a whole other. That breathy uh, countdown or count up, whatever it is, is great, and it has so much emotion. And I like that they're a little bit off from each other because that's the way it would really be. They're not quite. It's not. They're not saying one at exactly the same time. It's like a millisecond off. And I know, like it. You know, I, I'm, like, dissecting this, like, half, you know, five-second thing. But it really shows um, the director's ability to lead these kids who are voicing these characters in a way that is very emotionally powerful, I think.
1: Yeah, and it seems like um, there's sort of a lot at stake like they in their yes. relationship. Like, they've been wanting this to sort of happen where yeah. they can kind of reconcile and come
0: together. It's like they sigh and they mm-hmm. say, so say like the numbers. Be, yeah. Uh-huh. Um yeah I would give it because of the chills I feel, I would give it a full cry,
1: yeah, I think um
0: my cry of the week is chocolate boy, oh my gosh it's yeah. just a, it's a it's funny it 's a funny moment that you 're right it 's like despair too.
1: It is, yeah, and it reminds me a lot of the op- opioid crisis we're <laughs> going through. <in> the- <laughs> that, you shouldn't make a joke about that, Corey. But um, wait, no, what, you, no, you no made, I have it on mic. You made that joke. Okay, um, okay. so, so <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Um, really, I think it's actually I, I have we have we we share the same one. Um, I really like. Well, we can talk about the Chocolate Boy one. What happened? We didn't mention it, but what what happened well, was you can watch it. Watch it. Yeah, let's make this interactive. Go watch the show, the Chocolate Boy. It's a it's a quick scene. It's sort of funny. He's like an addict of chocolate. Yeah, he wants to jump, jump into a
0: trash can to get chocolate because he heard somebody say the word chocolate. He, he said he said chocolate doesn't go bad that fast. It's probably in the trash. Yeah, and so he's like
1: a junkie. That was the joke, and we're yeah. in an opioid crisis. So yeah, that's that's, that's like that's a side cry. Uh, so yeah, so um, yeah, but I think actually, I think in this episode, it's probably. I probably share the same one Uh, because in hearing you explain it, I was like, no, you're right. Like, and you know, those moments where like, you know, you've done something wrong, you know, this other person's done something wrong and you kind of were waiting for the moment for it to be able to get past, you know? Yeah. And when it does, it's that relief and like, you can kind of move on now. And that's like, yeah, it's a very human experience.
0: It does. It does. The, the production value is a very human experience. It's not, um. I, I, it's an example of how this show leans towards realism as a totally. to, and it does have surreal fantastic moments but it, its most powerful parts are um these moments of human realism uh and i say well done to uh the whole staff really seriously i mean yeah, we're, that we're being we're being assholes in our clap but it's it, it's a good uh that was a real clap it knows it was technically a real clap. <laughs> uh yeah okay so um we do have a jazz of the week Mm-hmm. um it, it's super smooth uh have you guys ever heard of king cruel um king cruel uh he just came out with a second album like within the last couple months um he's a child prodigy he's probably 19 um is he still 19 he might he might be 21 but he his first album he's came young. out like three or four years ago and he was like 17 and yeah. it is one of the best um like anti-jazz jazz albums I don't even know what to call. It. It's like jazz funk rap. It's it, like, yeah, it's just w- out, outsider jazz. It's cool. I like it. Yeah, he sounds like a, he sounds like a. He has a very like an old grizzled man. Voice. Yeah, but he's seven. He's a seventeen-year-old redhead from Britain, and and he's also nineteen and also twenty-one. Oh well, yeah, yeah. But like, like his. Fr- I'm <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. His first album. Uh, what's it, is it? Just called King Cruel? I don't know. I don't know. But it, his second album is called Ooze. It's like zoo backwards. Uh, there's no e. It's O O Z. This might be a. Sorry, I don't want to question you. I think it might be his third album. No, no. Oh, well, you, it's his third. There's an EP at the beginning. Uh, he has his like, n- yeah, he has a King Cruel EP, which has like three songs on it, mm. and then he does have like full length. the full length, and then he has like his off his other project. Mar- yeah, that one's good. Art, Marshy, Marshy, Marshall, Archie, Archie, Arch- Marshall. Arch- yeah, some I don't know, something like that. But it's yeah. not. It's like different than King Cruel, but yeah, similar. Yeah, yeah. It's like more rap and spoken word. Yeah. Um, but this is his second full length King Cruel album, and it's very depressing and good um and the song we're gonna play is biscuit town it doesn't have anything to do thematically with this episode but it does have some pretty hey arnold ish um licks at the beginning mm-hmm. um yeah i really I, i'm like falling in love with this album um it's a great way to be depressed and stuff um <laughs> but groovy and yeah depressing. groovy yeah exactly uh anyway thanks for listening um we're hey you know uh we're sorry that uh sometimes we gotta wait a couple weeks between episodes we're adults with paying jobs, and so sometimes it gets uh, in the way hardly of. I know, job. hardly paying. Sometimes <laughs> it gets in the way of um, of recording, but we really do like doing this. Uh, we
1: love doing it. We hope you keep listening. We hope you send uh, it to friends. Talk about it endlessly. Yeah, endlessly. Um, you we know, are uh, like your friend, even though we don't talk to you. We, we are d- we're we like might be, yeah. better than your real friends, usually.
0: Yeah. Please. Uh, prob- I mean, we're not your best friends. <laughs> we're not. we <laughs> are We are. Yeah. yeah okay. we are, we're your best friends. Um, yeah. So, it, like, email us with any thoughts on the episode or just in general. Uh, hey. HeyArnoldHey at gmail.com. Um, I, I have a Twitter account uh, at Tor- uh, oh, uh, why don't you tell yours I can't remember my
1: Twitter I account okay this sucks I literally just made it I haven't tweeted anything I'm learning how to use Twitter I'm, but I'm excited that you're you're in it I'm, I'm taking a, a class at the community college how to use Twitter I'm
0: surrounded no, by not. a bunch
1: of 90 year olds who are learning how to use no, Twitter no you're not
0: um, uh, at, at Corey underscore Vaughn is mine um, mine is at Adam
1: the letter J which is my last name um, yeah make it so I have more than
0: one follower I'm his one follower. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Okay, so thanks for joining us. Uh, enjoy the music, um, and we'll see you next time. Next time we're doing uh Hey Arnold, Arnold's Halloween, uh, which so we're a little late, but you know we're going in order. We did Christmas in the summer once, so we're doing what Halloween time, really? in two weeks. Yeah, what is time? What is time? Yeah, um, so we're doing Halloween a couple weeks after Halloween itself. Um, so get ready for some November spooks. <laughs> Uh, All right, thanks uh, thank Thanks for joining us. Bye bye. I seem to sing floor, in the rays of the solar. In fact, we made a pack, but now I think it's over. I'm red on white, but he sipped on cage soda. Fuck that's Coca Cola. So